Infertility treatments are an intensely specific, highly detailed, precisely monitored, hopelessly unpredictable process. Imagine a NASA rocket launch with no satellites. They spend months and months and billions of dollars taking measurements, testing and replacing insulation tiles, timing weather patterns, postponing when conditions aren't perfect, rescheduling when they are, and then, at the exact moment of launch, all the rocket scientists close their eyes, drink Chinese herbs, <laughs> rub good luck charms, listen to their favorite bands, and just hope the shuttle makes it. <laughs> this is IVF. As soon as they transfer that embryo in, all comms go dead, and we're just using the force. They have no way of guiding that rocket to its target because this is the end of science. Hi, I'm Sam Shaber. That was me you just heard telling a story about my experience with infertility. Have you ever wanted something so badly, something that seemed to come easily to other people, that it left you feeling alone and broken? That's what trying to have a baby has been like for me. So I created this podcast because some things in life are so painful, we have to talk about them, vent about them, drink wine and eat chocolate and laugh about them with our closest friends just to feel like ourselves again. You'll hear honest, uninhibited conversations with people on all sides of the family-making spectrum, while also following my own journey to become a mother. Together, we'll share the pain, joy, angst, and love of trying to get something we really, really want. And I'm a freak in love, a freak in love with you. Today, I'm very excited for you to meet my good friend, Steph. It was Steph who told me it's okay to be angry and pissed off as I'm going through this. After her own five long years of IVF, she's been an important source of support for me, and she's always kept her sense of humor. I'm in love with you. Nobody told me it was not always a romantic comedy. Right. <laughs> you would think I would have known that getting married in my 30s, that you don't just run around your dining room table running to pinch the butt of your partner, you know, five years into your marriage when you can't have children and you have shots in your stomach like and you're three bruised. times a day. Yeah. Um, and so this is my friend, Steph. Say hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Oh. <laughs> hi, Sam. We can keep that. It's cute. So what I wanted, the reason I'm so glad that I'm talking to you is because you really are my very good friend. And we've had many, many talks about IVF while I was going through it, while you were going through it. You were sort of my champion because you went through it first. I'm glad I could help in some way. You did. You very much helped me out. And um, so just to sort of hit technical stuff first, why and when did you start doing IVF? Had you guys tried for many, many years? Was it already a problem earlier than it should have been? What was the story? So I got married when I was a little bit older, according to the, you know, advanced maternal age story of 35. But <laughs> right. I got married um, when I was 34. And so I was already 35 when we started trying. And, and, and advanced maternal age, that's is, like a thing. Correct. That you don't think of yourself as advanced maternal age in your mid-30s. No, no. But they no, you let do, you know that you are. And you do definitely want to smack whoever's saying it yeah. every single... It doesn't get even better now right. that I am of an advanced maternal age, exactly. probably. <laughs> um, 
And we started with fertility ki- ovulation kits, to, which is like the thing you buy in the right. You buy and store. it tells you it. You buy it in the drugstore. There's a stick to pee on. When it smiles at you, you should have sex in the next, you know, 24 to 38 hours. Even if you're super mad at your partner, <laughs> exactly. Um, that comes a, in later. Right. I mean, but at this point, we were still not jaded yet. Right. So. <laughs> <clears throat> it's the least sexy way to have sex. Right. Be, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And, and then, then even though they say that you absolutely don't have to have your legs in the air or stand on your head or whatnot, you, you, you know, put the fertility god mask <laughs> under your, you know, bed. Right. You know, Coco right. Pelli, come on. Right. Uh, <laughs> Someone offered one of those to me the other day, and I, yeah. I said, we're in a different place now. Thank you. <laughs> and then I, there was a bit of a smackdown, but it was mental <laughs> and only on my side. I'm very quiet. So right. I did not know about it. Because people earnestly want to help you. They right. give you no, things like, for sure. it's my special Coco Pelli fertility. Right. And you're like, I please keep that at your house. Well, I'm sure no one's ever suggested that if you just kind of take a vacation, it'll just happen. Everyone or has if you suggested just stop, that. You know, you just stop trying. Yeah. It'll just happen. Yoga retreats, the whole thing. <laughs> so how long was that not working for? So we went to see a fertility specialist when it was about a year that we were trying. They suggested Clomid. So we did that um, once with the ovulation kit. It's just like taking the medicine and then timing when you're having Mm. sex. And that didn't work. And then we started to talk about the different options. Artificial insemination, which is IUI, which is where they just kind of take the sperm and inseminate, put it into... It's basically like a turkey baster. Correct. The turkey baster method. (laughs) Yes. Yes, if you will. So we did the... We found out about the IUI. We did that with the Clomid. And when I went in to the IUI... Um, for the, I said, what are the chances that it's going to work? I do not know. Let me just suggest no one ever asked this question because the answer is not helpful. Yeah. Because it's going to happen or not regardless. But I think they said it was like 14%. And I said, well, why did we just spend however much? And I got so excited. There's only 14% chance this is going to work. Yeah. So I was surprised, actually, by that. Um, and then we was went... Was that because of your advanced maternal age? Um, possibly. Yeah. I think it was just because the IUI is, you know, it's less direct. So it's just swim, guys. Right. You know, and right. so, um, <laughs> so at the time, my coverage, which I was very lucky to have, but my insurance coverage... I know it's amazing coverage, you had coverage for this at all. And at my school, it was very generous, but it was four cycles of anything in a lifetime. So I'm not going to do IUI for $400 when IVF, which is like $10,000, you know. And so we said we're actually okay just going directly to IVF because we know it's expensive. We know it takes a while. And then we switched um, fertility specialist because the original doctor didn't really want to move forward. Uh. So then we went to a doctor we liked very much and he said something that I thought was uh, that I'll never forget. He said, your chances of being a parent walk in the room with you when you walk in. You walked in with your success rate, basically. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we did IVF. We did five IVF cycles 
but four trans live transfers because one cycle only created like maybe one or two and they just didn't think once it's a transfer it's a cycle and then it's pain oh yeah it's all very bizarre how much it's about money and about whatever when you're trying to bring a human being into the world yeah it's all so much of it is money based and also the stress from that fact and then they say stress is bad when you're trying to have a baby so so I interrupted you. So you're at the new doctor because he's so we're at willing the new to do doctor. IVF. I had what testing I needed to have. Ben had what testing he needed to have. You know, they have to make sure that we're not directly related. No, um, <laughs> they make sure that we don't have any genetic. Well, so this issues. is my memory, too. Didn't they figure out something where, like, your genetic material was not getting along? The immunologist. We haven't even gotten oh, to the immunologist. Right. Okay. Oh, God. Um, right. <laughs> right. We could be here for five years, um, which is how long it took me to get pregnant. <laughs> Um, so fast forward, if you'd like, I had three failed fresh IVF cycles, then a fourth cycle that did not result in a viable option for transfer. But from one of my earlier cycles, I had seven embryos, but they only freeze a certain quality Ah, embryo. So they froze three. And I hadn't really thought about frozen embryo transfers at the time because everything you, every phase is something totally new. Right. Um, by the way, you get to pay to store the frozen embryos, to freeze the embryos, to unfreeze the embryos. Right. Every step, so, which is F- all of it. FET is frozen embryo transfer. Yay. Yeah. All kinds of things like that. So, More acronyms. We have now used all four cycles in a lifetime of IVF. It turned out. We believe, because one of the other fun things you hear is undiagnosed infertility. That's what I have. Yes. It's called unexplained, unexplained. infertility. Sorry, excuse yeah. me. Yes. That is my actual medical diagnosis. Correct. Because there's nothing wrong with me. Correct. <laughs> like, literally. They were like, you don't even smoke. Like, we can't <laughs> even find anything. You're like, not even Diet Coke. Like, yeah. Stop nothing. It. Not one <laughs> I don't even eat that much tofu, whatever right. these things are. You oh, know, I could tell you a story. Tell me about the tofu. It's not about tofu, but you get all this advice when you're going through um, things with infertility. I was seeing an acupuncturist during this time. Um, They were talking about no artificial sweeteners. And I used to be a Diet Coke addict and I'm good now. Um, All the things that you're not supposed to have when you're pregnant, it's better not. You're just doing it all the time. Just in case. All these things. And because I love that Diet Coke so much, I was like, oh, the health food store has like diet soda and it has stevia. And so that's not artificial. That's from, you know, plants. From the Correct. And then one day I looked up stevia online. This is now months into my trying to not be infertile practice. (laughs) Right. And it said stevia in some cultures is used as a natural birth control. (gasps) Oh, my God. And I burst into tears. I was like, you must be kidding. Oh, my God. Why isn't that on the label? Oh, my God. So we are now out of insurance. I am exhausted. Ben and I have to take a mental like check-in mm-hmm. and say, okay, we have gone through this for four years. We've had joy. We've had a lot of tears. We've had moments of, you will have sex with me right now. I don't care how angry you are. You can be angry again in 10 minutes. <laughs> Actually, in that case, I lost that battle. I guess he was really angry. And then I was like, 
you wasted a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, Everything is right. dire. I mean, right. yeah, completely. And then what we had called was the summer of Steph. I had spent three years, we, some partners are not very involved. Ben was very involved. Yeah. Um, he was feeling everything along with maybe not the actual shots, right. um, or hormone shifts he had the or whatnot, but bruises, he did but have maybe the, not the physical bruises. Right? Yeah. And we had not taken any trips because you never know when the transfer is going to be. Yeah. You don't know when the cycle is going to start and when the transfer is going to be. And there, it's all very timed. So you have to give yourself a shot. And then 36 hours later, you have your transfer or something like that. Ask yeah. the doctor. So we would be like, oh, we're going to go to the Bahamas. Oh, no, wait, we can't do that. Oh, we're going to, uh, no, we better not plan that. And so for three years, we we didn't plan anything or yeah. we canceled plans. Or even if you do the plans, you feel like it, like we had a vacation planned for Hilton Head, my favorite place in the, like almost in the world. My grandparents used to live there as a kid, like right. all kinds of emotion. We had this timeshare. But it turned out because the cycle got delayed because I ovulated by mistake, even though I was on the drugs to keep me from all that kind of stuff they tried to control. And it came down to the transfer, the embryo transfer was happening the day we were leaving town for Hilton Head. My mother was like, Do you can't be flying when you've just had an embryo transfer. But the doctor was like, nah should be fine. He was like, California doctor, because we live in LA now. Like, actually, maybe it'll be good. Like, you'll go right into a vacation. You'll be relaxed. So we did the transfer. I slept for a few hours. And then we go to the airport. And it was like a very long flight. It's also not a direct flight. So we had to change somewhere. And then there was a problem with the rental car. Like, the whole thing. And George is phobic of flying. So he's jacked up on Xanax. So he's completely completely pilled up. And we finally get there. And the whole time we're there, one of my favorite things at Hilton Head is riding bikes because there's little bike paths. Oh, no. Can't ride a bike. I can't go in the water. You shouldn't ride a bike just because you may need... Well, he's afraid of bikes, too, so he does. (laughs) And so it wasn't the greatest vacation. And then, of course, I didn't get pregnant. But again, because I have unexplained infertility... We don't know if that had anything to do with it, but you're always looking for the reason sure. why it didn't work out. So you would be like, we would have been pregnant that month if, right. you know, if but only. you withheld. Oh, my God, if only. I did have one really cool vacation. It's not a vacation. I did have one really cool experience on a trip to Abu Dhabi for work, wow. as you would be. And I was like, I can't do it because my transfer is like three weeks before. And oh. if I get pregnant, I'm not flying to, you know, Abu Dhabi. And when the transfer didn't work, I called my colleague that was setting up the trip and I said, is there still space in the Abu Dhabi trip? And so I did go to Abu Dhabi. I was depressed in Abu Dhabi, but I was there. There were camels. It was great. (laughs) Um, But we said, okay, this summer we're not doing a transfer. And I went... So I usually do the New England baby tour. That is where I go visit all of my very close friends all over New England and their small children. And I did do this because I do want to see my very close friends and know their children. And I didn't have the same, like, I can't be around children. I was actually, like, I was quietly saying mean things in my head, but I was outwardly joyful for my friends. So I went to see one friend and her children. And then when they got loud, I went paddleboarding with my other friend on a lake. And then I went to Omega. I had found the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and I was already somebody who loved yoga. And I did trapeze for the first time. (laughs) 
And then because you're like, I couldn't couldn't have been doing this if I was right. pregnant. So and then I did a workshop called Dance Your Bliss, which is like a movement and meditation. And we were doing pastel drawings. And I did a, a drawing a day for a month challenge. And I posted all my really not good drawings on Facebook. <laughs> And I did trapeze a second time. And so this was a summer of stuff. And it was a great summer. It was a summer I was still aware that I wasn't a parent. Yeah. But it was a summer that I wasn't expecting to become one because I wasn't doing any medical intervention. Um, and so to be fair to the people who are like, maybe if you just relax, well, screw them. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, the ne- so then we decided that we have these three frozen embryos. So we have known coverage, but we can afford one cycle probably without going broke. But there's three embryos. And so with the frozen transfer, the thing that's a little bit different is you don't have to do all the stimulation to create the eggs. Right. And so you're not doing all the shots. And so it's really... In fact, we had doctors that recommended frozen over fresh because you can heal your body and go back to square one. And you're still taking drugs because you're simulating pregnancy when you transfer. Right. So... I said we want to transfer three because every single time we had transferred two, none of them took. So maybe if we transfer three, one person will show up. Right. (laughs) And two would be welcome. Three was a little bit more concerning only because not because I didn't have love in my heart, but because I knew there would be more challenges with the pregnancy and the viability of the um, babies. Right. So we want to transfer three. They said, and this is unlikely to happen, but three could split, like naturally split. You could have six embryos. I'm like, I'm not Octomom. No. But so they said, we will do three. But if there is an issue where there's harm to one of the babies or to you, you need to tell us now that you would consider reduction, which Ah. is their fancy word for saying, you know, taking uh, one, taking one out, aborting one of the babies for lack of a better word. But they found one. They call it reduction. Yes. (laughs) And my husband, who is grew up religious, was like, "We're, we're not doing that. And I looked at him. I'm literally on the bed where they do the transfer. Oh, you're there. We're like there. Oh, my God. And I was like, um, honey, you're going to have to say you're sure because otherwise they're going to make us leave without a transfer. And I said, I'm not going to force you into anything. We can do the two. But are you seriously sure after all that we've been through, if I was in a life-threatening situation we wouldn't consider reduction. I think that's something that would come, like, I don't think you could possibly know that. Yeah. And he's like, you're right. And it's probably not going to happen. And I said, it can't be because it's probably not going to happen. And so we had, they're like, why don't we give you a minute? Oh my God. I mean, I'm like in you a gown. You guys have like the caps and the booties Oh no, on we're and- like in full yeah. transfer mode. Yeah. And he's tearful. I'm tearful. We're like holding hands. We're like, all right, we'll do this. You know, this is my last chance in this realm to be pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and also one of the things this doctor said is get rid of any pregnancy tests that you have. Do not sit there during those 10 days or wherever constantly taking pregnancy tests. Like, just don't. And I actually am a rule follower, so I listen to the doctor. I have no pregnancy tests anywhere in sight. And so you wait these excruciating 10 days. So we did the blood work. I went to work. And the doctor who I love, he called me at work and he said, not only are you pregnant, but you're so pregnant. (laughs) And I was like, what 
are you saying to me right now? <laughs> and there's no cell phone service in my actual office. You have to like go outside and I work in oh a high school. God. So I'm in the middle of this like California style quad. Oh my God. And he said, like, you maybe need to come in. And so then I went in and remember we had transferred three embryos. So he said, you're definitely pregnant. He's like, and there's baby A. And right over there is baby B. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Well, he had actually told me before I came for the appointment that my numbers, like, they're supposed to double within a certain amount of days. And they, like, quadrupled. Oh, wow. So he said that there was a likelihood that there could be more than one. Right. And three frozen embryos turned into... Are now Zach and Alex. Yeah, um, that was the happy ending of our IVF journey. Um, just for context, this is this is all started almost ten years ago. Right. You know, at this Thank point. Thank you. That's so, true. Um, I have a lot of hindsight now, <laughs> yeah. which is, um, but I was very lucky. I had at least two or three, maybe four, close girlfriends who had successfully been through IVF prior and so while it was a very excruciating time it was I had a lot of support so oh, that's, that's nice. why I feel very comfortable and happy sharing my story with anyone because yeah you need to know someone who <laughs> for sure exactly. you need to know as many people as you can and honestly that's part of the reason we're doing this podcast is because it's such an isolating experience even when you do know people like i it's funny cuz i feel like you are a more kind person than me because when i knew people that had had success i didn't want to talk to them no for like, I, totally I literally get that i no. didn't want to talk to people that it had worked for i didn't want to talk to people that it had failed for like i didn't really want to talk to people i just i couldn't I could talk to people doing it for a different reason. Like I had friends freezing their eggs because they were single or they career or whatever. Like that I could talk about because that I didn't have to compete with that. I didn't have to compete with it anyway, but I felt like I did. But even when I knew people for whom it had gone well, I was like kind of angry because it wasn't going well for me. (laughs) So, so I had. Maybe you're a better person. So, than no, I am. I'm definitely not. <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget, my very good friend, also named Sam, as it were, um, from a colleague of mine who, in the time that I was just kind of getting started with IVF, um, got pregnant rather quickly, kind of on her own. Mm. And I remember her coming into my office to tell me and her kind of apologizing before she told me. And I adore her. And so, of course, I started immediately crying because (laughs) as much as I adore her, I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) I said this to you earlier today. One of the reasons I was so excited to have you come talk to me for this is because you were the person who said you will think the worst thoughts about pregnant people about other people like you will go to those dark dark places and you said and it's okay (laughs) and like literally that validation carried me it just doesn't make you a bad person to not want to go to baby showers when you've been trying to get pregnant for a million years it's okay to not want to go out to the barbecue where you're going to be the only one without children right or your friends kids birthday parties that's a big one all of those I think that anything you're feeling or deciding to do or considering, all of it's okay if it's mostly legal. I mean, right. but, <laughs> exactly. you know, I I probably, I haven't decided whether I'm actually going to let you air this comment, but it's okay to right. say, 
fuck you to my coworker who had two children in the time I was trying to have any children. Right, right. I mean, I don't know anything about this when I was walking through New York City and some random day seemed to be fertility day in New York City because every woman I walked by had a a baby bump. And I was like, what is happening here? And where do I get whatever they're drinking? Right. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I'm going to punch you in the stomach. That is not a nice thing to say (laughs) at all. Um, So... As you guys were going through this process, obviously very challenging, much fighting, much tears. George and I started IVF in 2011, so it's over seven years, but it was, you know, five solid years of IVF. And during that period, we went through the worst time in our marriage, which is now almost 17 years, and we almost got divorced. Part of what kept us together was that there's so much that's demanded of you with IVF of both partners. You have to do shots. One, There's some shots you can do on your own, and there's some shots you just can't reach it. They've right. got to help you do it. So it's like, you know, we could be at each other's throats, but, oh, wait, it's time to do Lupron. And then right. like, let's get the needle, <laughs> Lupron, you know, and wipe right. the thing, swab the thing. Oh, and Lupron. Lu- oh, Lupron. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> so for us, I honestly believe that this sort of teamwork – kept us knit together, which it forced us to stay a team and then like rebuild. So what has happened for you guys? So I never was at a point of IVF causing the destruction of a marriage. Yeah. For us, IV, for me, um, because also I will say you started pretty soon into your right. marriage. So, so we only, the IVF process was only about two years. The whole infertility was about four um, but we were only about two years into our relationship, and I think I there were so many ups and downs. I mean, we never had an outright, like, we don't love each other. Like, I just don't even think we were thinking about our relationship. We were thinking about this end goal. Right, 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 um, right. That's so interesting. But I do think that it will break people up for sure, and I think, though, that we're both emotionally invested people so I think that it probably made us stronger just in terms of having lived through this really emotional thing and having this joint desire that like you're willing to kind of spend the money on put yourself through hell like and come out the other side and do it again yeah you know yeah with yeah, no guarantee you have to keep doing it too. right it's I mean not, it's yeah. so like ah, oh yeah oh, okay no and then and I had to train myself we had to train ourselves and we never got really good at it to not get excited and start picking names or like talk to the babies throughout my pregnancy. And I was like, is this a bad idea? Yeah. So once you, so now you're pregnant, right? And Mm -hmm. things are moving along. Did you have to sort of restructure your identity of yourself? Because I became very much identified as the woman who can't have kids. Like the woman who is struggling to have kids and failing. And what's happening for us now, we have a surrogate and we, because I can't have kids, that didn't change. But we have a surrogate and we had an egg donor and things are were due soon and everything is good. And suddenly I'm seeing moms and feeling sort of confused because I used to just be angry and now I can't just be angry anymore. Now you're kind of checking it out being like, oh, should I have that? I know. I'm like, what's stroller? Yeah. Another upper baby. That's right. You're like, uh, right. That's (laughs) very weird. Um, I went through a time where I was like, I'm never going to carry my own baby. I definitely thought we would adopt. And I was, and I even still, I was pregnant. I even, 
it was very metacognitive because when I was pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm even pregnant. I was very pregnant. And I'm like, I never thought I would be, I would realize that I was pregnant and I would, and I, for a while I had come to terms with, I would never be pregnant. Did you have any dreams that you weren't pregnant or that suddenly? No, but I did have a lot of dreams when I was not pregnant that I was. And I had some really weird ones where like the whole thing was completely see-through and it looked like a little shrimp. I mean, whatever. We'll have to... And then once I got pregnant, I'm not believing that I'm definitely having these two children. And then I was supposed to go on my friend's boat the next day, like a sailboat. Like, you know, we're supposed to go sailing. And I called my doctor. I said, so I'm supposed to go on my friend's boat tomorrow. Do you think I shouldn't go? And he said, the boat's not going to do anything. (laughs) But you're so, we know that you get anxious. And God forbid something happens on the boat, like you fall overboard, it gets super bumpy you get hit with the mask like I don't know god forbid you'll yeah. never forgive yourself yeah so don't go yeah and I was like thank you that's okay. good advice yeah, yeah. It was. I mean I was asking could I swim could I do yoga I always looked at these women in the gym and I'm a regular person who likes to exercise right and I would see these amazing women who were like eight months pregnant doing like total body workouts and um I was like I'm gonna be one of those people and then as soon as I finally was pregnant I only <laughs> like, no walked, way. walking, yeah. fast walking. He, I said, can, he said, you can totally work out, but maybe don't because you're so anxious. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. But I, for me, I've been having a real identity. Like, you know, and again, I'm not pregnant. So there's a weird layer to that, you know, like yeah, I'm that not. I can't picture. Because also she's in Nevada. She's not in L.A. Right. So I, we're right. not even around her. Right. Ever. You're not even. Right. I, the only time I'll ever see her pregnant is the day of the delivery. Right. But I think for that reason, too, I feel a bit, you know, removed from the whole thing. Right. Kind of in a good way. Like I, I've had to come to terms with many things. One is it's not my genetic child. So my whole family line is not going to be there. My dad right. who passed away, who was like my hero. Right. And right. I mean, I, it will be my child. Everyone, re- you know, yes, it's right. your child. Right. But, you know. My genetics, we actually gave up on quite a long time ago because we already had gone through two other egg donors and this is the third. But also like, yeah, I'll never have that experience of being pregnant, which I maybe I'm fine with. Like, you know, so I've been like really living it up these eight months because you're going to be the first person that wasn't exhausted when their baby was handed to them. Like, great. This thing's cool. I'm going to go hang out with this baby, you know, but it is weird. But also... I never, I had, and this is very little um, in comparison, but I had a C-section. And so even gone through all of this, I was like, well, did I really give birth? Like, because it wasn't a vaginal birth. Like, now did I still miss something? Like, I was pregnant and that's amazing. Or it's really uncomfortable either way. But yeah, and then I was like, well, does it not count? Because I didn't go through the pain of delivery. Right. Um, I think it counts. So I think, no, it definitely counts, but everything counts. (laughs) Right, Like, Do you know what I mean? Like, that's my whole point is that every single situation is different. And I think that this idea of being a parent is this idea that somebody's dependent on you. You know, someone's life is dependent on you for a period of time, not how they came about being dependent on you. I don't know. 
But no, so I definitely wasn't somebody that w- when I was growing up was like, I have to be a mom. Yeah. I mean, I definitely thought I would be a mom just because that's what you do, I guess. Yeah. When my friends were having children, I wasn't like, oh, I must have child now. Right. So I'm not one of those people who, as, as soon as they were born, my whole life was fulfilled. And this was all the meaning of right. existence. And I am also- now nothing without my children. Like, I very much am going out tonight with my husband and not my children. I'm yeah. very much happy to drop them off. Right. <laughs> and sometimes they make me nuts. And some, and a lot of times I raise my voice. And I thought I would be this very calm, very um, low-key mom. I'm a trained counselor. I certainly wouldn't yell. I yell. But just because you become pregnant and have the children doesn't mean life is all now going to be perfect. Right. One person said to me more than once when I was complaining about something one of my kids did or a sleepless night, Remember all you did to get those babies in the first place? And I almost decked her. Yeah. I was like, I'm still allowed to have a bad day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the yeah. flip side of that is when you're still going through IVF and people go, well, wait till you have kids. Then I'm, you'll see what. And you're just uh, like, can we get there? You're first, like, I please? really just kind of want to get. Yeah. And it's interesting because we just now are in a little bit of a different place in our, in your journey slash my journey. Right. But Going through what we went through, I have been kind of like the person who talks to whomever and the friend of whomever is going through this to answer any and all questions. And I still have to be very careful what I say because it's a very different conversation than when I was going through it. Right. Talking to someone who was on the other side. Now I was the woman on the other side and I had to be very conscious of what that meant to who I'm who I was speaking to right it, even as someone like you're saying even as someone that's been through it you constantly have to check yourself when you're talking to other people because everyone has a different experience but pe- you know people don't know like I went to the post office on Mother's Day it happened to be and the woman was like happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day, Day. <laughs> she, like, mm-hmm. not because I look pregnant nothing just because you're it's a woman Mother's uh, Day. Right, like right. you would think that's safe everyone has a mother right. we don't know where they are all the time right we did all come from a part of a female body so right. okay but but even that like it is right. such a minefield in fact I'll never for one day about two and a half years into this fun journey a woman at work um put her hand on my stomach <gasps> And asked me when I was due, and I took her hand off of my stomach and said, not pregnant. <sighs> and I I almost said, but thanks, I just had a miscarriage, but I didn't. And so that would that's the awful thing that you yes. want to make people feel really, really, really bad. Did Real. I just say that on your podcast? You do, right? though. It's also infuriating how many things have to line up in order for someone to get pregnant. I know. And so then think of advanced maternal age. <laughs> it's, you know, it's maddening. That's you're going to be your band name later in life. Advanced maternal age. That's right. <laughs> I like that. The only people who will come see you are, will be me and Ben. <laughs> you and Ben. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excellent. And every other woman who's been told she's of advancement. This advanced is a, it's maybe age. it's a, you know, a women's rage kind of band. Well, and it's fr- one of the worst things for me in general about the whole IVF thing, about the whole fertility thing is that Still, overall, women are blamed for landing in this situation because we decide we need a career. And that's just so petty that we didn't do kids first. And that's the most important thing. They don't blame dads for not having kids till they're 40. Like nobody, you know. So it, it, yeah, there's a lot of rage. 
And, I and also rage at the universe that our biology has not caught up with modern well, times. This is, right? Darwin, what is up with that? I know. Every Step other, it you know, up. it's amazing how far science has gone, but it's also frustrating how far they haven't gone. Well, like, I... They can't make you pregnant. So, yeah, we went to see this, like, famous-ish doctor in Manhattan where he tests me and Ben again. Much more dramatic testing of sperm and everything. And they came up with this immunological reason why Ben and I would not be able to, like, carry a baby. And it was because you kind of made references yeah. earlier. And this is crazy, folks. I am white Jewish girl. My husband's from the Philippines. He's Filipino. And apparently our DNA on some level was too similar. I'm like, hello, mixed rate. What? <laughs> was too similar. And the my body would not... So I guess when you have an embryo that's part somebody else's DNA, it protects this stranger, huh. I guess, something. I'm explaining it terribly wrong. But apparently our DNA was too similar and it may not see it as something foreign to protect. And so it just wouldn't. Interesting. I was like. So it was like kicking it out almost. So correct. And I'm like, my mom always wanted me to date a Jew. And I was like, <laughs> you know, but then there, you know, um, my mom very much loves you, Ben. Um, <laughs> but then I'm like, how do I have genetic so similar to this guy? That's <laughs> like, amazing. It's so weird. Um, and so the, the answer to that was these drips, like these, um, like an infusion for oh, like. So um, you sit there and you yeah, get. Yeah, for hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, to take medication that keeps your body from rejecting your own. Wow. And you embryo. do this once you've done the transfer or leading up to or I can't remember. Okay. And oh you my did God. this on that third on that final try. On the fourth IVF oh. and on the frozen embryo okay. transfer. Wow. It didn't work the first time. But they they still expensive. believe that that was the reality. Well, uh, um no one will ever know. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um okay, one more topic. Right. So once you have a child, by whatever means possible, do you eventually sort of forget what you went through? Not forget like you literally don't remember, but like I'm assuming you just start focusing on being a parent at that point. Right. And it's interesting because going through what we went through, it all seems so vivid then. There was a time I had lost hope. And I went to Omega and I struck up a conversation with a woman. Uh, Turns out that she had had uh, her children via IVF. And she said, there will be a time that this is in the rearview mirror. And I just got chills, by the way, because I am at that day and I'm a crier. You are almost (laughs) there. At least you won't be there for yourself until you're there. Right. But when you're a family, like people see your family. Yes. You know, it's not like every day you're going to be like, well, let me check their eye color doesn't look like, you you know, I mean, you're raising them. They're going to have your mannerisms, part of your thinking, part of your, you know, idea of what the world is. And so they may not have a feature that somebody across the room would be like, wow, you guys have exactly the same eye color. Right. But they may very well have some Samisms. Yes, maybe um, in a genetic test it wouldn't show up, but right. they will so have a part of your family. Like That's I, very I'm, nice to think about. 
I mean, yeah. that's, and I, I know I'm saying that as someone who has like children who are biologically right. both of us, but like, <laughs> and I realized that that's super annoying, but I really thought about, so um, for those of you who don't know Sam Shaber, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting across from a storytelling rock star with bright pink hair <laughs> with shades of blonde um, True. and the style of like awesome and she she definitely we're makes, definitely leaving this in I just she's know. definitely and she's gorgeous and looks 30 when she's older than me so that's annoying and maybe 28 actually and Shucks. she has this really cool style you're trying style. to get the co-host so, spot on this so <laughs> call your girlfriend sorry is that like a different brand okay so but seriously You've always made decisions because of who you are, and you're going. And same with George. You yeah. know, George, her husband is also a very creative person. And so, what's the chance that you're not going to have a kid who's like super into things that are just because they're drawn to them? Right. Right. And right. that comes from you. I bet that comes from your dad. He happens to also maybe be a fairly creative person. Yes, he was. <laughs> he yes. had he had some moderate success. Yeah. Um. And so you know, I. I well, I, it's funny because yeah. So my dad was a screenwriter and he was 43 when I was born so you know in a way like that is my genetic line carrying through right. well, I'm 46 now so now I right. have him beat but you know for a while it was like well if I had just been born Samuel instead right. of Samantha right I could have a kid no problem you right. know which gets us back into female rage but right that's <laughs> we could go there well I mean my dad had his last kid when he was 53 yeah. or something Mick like Jagger that, so. I just looked this up the other day Mick Jagger is 75 mm -hmm. he has eight children the youngest is two years old he has a two-year-old that's a biological two child year old with his new wife who is like 29 well obviously his oldest daughter is 48 i think right and his wife mm -hmm. is 29 that's mm -hmm. a whole different mm -hmm. conversation um well, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh my goodness, so cathartic, really. Is it? Good. I mean, for me, but yeah. I, I, you still have, you know, this like very, very exciting part of your journey to come, and I'm sure <gasps> also terrifying. I, I feel, feel like, like I need to let you go because you have children that you have to go take care of. It's so funny. I'm rushing out of here to leave my children with a babysitter to have a date with my husband. <laughs> That's the best reason. <laughs> I love it. I can't. Oh, well, thank you. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Because you've had so many that have been so good. Never assume you understand anyone else's story. Yeah. Be a listener. Yes. And don't only tell the fluff. Right. Keep it real. Keep it real. But also be considerate. Right. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's don't be a douche, but I don't know yeah. if that's how we want to end. So. I think that's a perfect way to end. Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for episode one of IVFU. Come back to us episode two when we talk with Mike and Ray, a double dad family with three fabulous kids, and yet they still seem to have a lot of explaining to do. The one thing that shocks me every time is that everyone thinks we adopted them. And they're like, when did you get them? I'm like, how do you feel though when people make those kinds of comments? I just say, oh, I got them when they're one second old. <laughs> IVFU is produced by me, Sam Shaber, and Emmeline Somerton. And we'd love to hear from you. Please join our conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU Podcast. And check out our website at IVFUPodcast.com. IVFU is distributed by Inside Voices Media. 
Our mixer is Allison Wilson with additional sound design by J.C. Swatek. Our live story segment was recorded in L.A. at the Rant and Rave Storytelling Series produced by RogueMachineTheater.net. Our theme song is Freak in Love by The Happy Problem. That's me. And lastly, I just want to say thank you for sharing this time with me. Because remember, it's all about being a family. Family.